I am a god, you dull creature! We are not doing Get Help. I have been falling for 30 minutes! I assure you, brother, the sun will shine on us again. I'm just a huge fan of the sport. Can't see into the future, I'm not a witch. No? Why'd you dress like one? I am Loki of Asgard. Puny god. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and I am being joined by Peaches. I am being joined by Chris. I am being joined by my dog, Miles. We're all here. (laughs) Did you see him, like, perk up? He was like, what the hell was that? (laughs) I wonder what I just said. He was like, what... That is a slur. <laughs> I think he kind of looked at me our like. Word. I think he kind of looked at me like, no way. Are you serious? <laughs> Sorry, buddy. How you guys doing? Oh, by the way, my dog is named Miles after Miles Morales. If anybody was wondering, not after the conversion to kilometers. If you're an England listener, no. Oh, bummer. Because we should go to the metric system. Yeah, but Merca. <laughs> but Merca. Uh, do you know what I learned today? <laughs> there are U.S. fluid ounces and imperial fluid ounces. Shut no, the they are fuck not. Up. There are <laughs> ounces, uh, gallons, pints, all of these things. There are two of them. Why That's did... the worst thing I've ever heard in my it whole life. It gets worse. Do you know what they were um, uh, based on? Uh. I, I think it was uh, England's fluid ounce was based on... I'm going to pull it up because I want to make sure I get it exactly right because it's crazy stupid. I have a screenshot of it because I was having this conversation earlier today about how we should switch to the metric system. All right. The fluid ounces. Where the hell? Peaches, you get to cut all this crap out. (laughs) Or not. Or not. (laughs) Where the hell did it go? How about you cut this crap out? I should have cut this crap out a long time <laughs> cut ago. This crap I didn't know this was going to come up or I would have had it ready, you know? Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I didn't was, tell you about my miles like, to kilometers Do you want to hear joke. this fun fact? Sure. <laughs> Hang on while I look it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a fun fact I committed to memory. Okay. All right. The, uh, the imperial fluid ounce was defined as the volume occupied by an ounce of water. And an American fluid, I'm assuming that there they mean the ounces in the weight or mass and not the uh, fluid. But the American fluid ounce was defined originally as the volume occupied by an ounce of wine. So because America had to make it boozy. Why do we take everything and make it alcoholic? That's what we do here. You know that, right? Oh, Cinco de Mayo, we need to drink. We Americans need to drink. St. Patrick's Day, we non-Irish Americans need to drink. Uh, We just find every excuse to make things about alcohol. Known dry country Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. Known dry countries, Ireland and Mexico. (laughs) But we are celebrating it as if it's ours. Like, oh, you guys are having a party? I'll have a shot. Thanks. (laughs) I got this picture of a, a baby bottle that has milliliters, UK fluid ounces, and US fluid ounces. And looking at the fluid ounces next to each other, is it just makes me angry. <laughs> you just see the... Uh, <laughs> it's just a splattering the, of numbers. The left one just gets higher and higher. That's the worst thing I've they ever start, seen. The numbers just start pulling apart from each yeah, other. Yeah, that's way too crowded. 
Well, today we're going to talk about all kinds of things being pulled apart into dimensions and time, as we're talking all about <laughs> episode five of season two of Loki. And if I was good at my job, I see you described the episode order in the uh, U.S. <laughs> metric <laughs> system. Call this man Dean Kamen because he's making segues. <laughs> season two, episode five: what? science slash fiction. <laughs> You had that fun fact loaded in your brain? Yeah, I don't know why, but I, not me- the other I, don't know why one. I have the name of the inventor of the Segway <laughs> committed to memory. I remember him going on like Good Morning America because no, do you remember the build the lead up to them announcing the Segway? I'm sorry to guess. <laughs> no. Okay, so this guy was like, I have this invention that is going to change the world and he called it it because you know, that's what you do to build hype. And then it turned out to be a balancing scooter. And everyone was like, Oh, okay. They're still neat, and you know, but he was—he thought that this was going to like revolutionize pedestrian traffic and make cities nicer. And now you can pay a little bit extra to ride one around at Epcot for ten minutes. Yeah, didn't they? When they came out, weren't they like ridiculously expensive? Like yep. you're not going to change the future if no one can afford your machine. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. Fun I mean, facts on this. Episode five. We're learning so much about everything but Loki. <laughs> uh, season two, episode five, science slash fiction. The episode kicks off with Loki on his own at the TVA. Everyone is gone, and the TVA has kicked into failsafe mode. Wait, I'm going to interrupt you already, because um, this is really creepy. Yeah. Like I like I know it's not supposed to be a scary show, but just like the idea of wandering around a giant building by yourself like scares me. Like have you when you were in like uh middle or or high school, mm-hmm. were you ever in the school like after hours and it was yeah, maybe often. you weren't the only one in there, but like it felt like you were walking down hallways and you were the only one or like mm-hmm. a church or some just big building and you're just walking around solo. That shit's scary, dude. Like, I felt that from these, like, opening scenes of him just, where'd everybody go? (laughs) Did you catch the single tear that he had? Yes. I didn't catch it until my my watch today, but. Yeah, he really thought everything. acting. He really thought everything was gone. Yeah. Searching for anyone, Loki begins to time slip again. This time, he isn't just slipping within the TVA as the TVA turns into spaghetti. He time slips away and next appears in 1962 in a branch timeline near Alcatraz. Can I interrupt for just a moment? Like I have several times already in this episode. Did did the spaghettification of the TVA remind anyone else of The Last of Us, like the opening credits of the TV show? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that was what I... It just reminded me of Endgame. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, certainly by the end I was thinking Endgame when the people started turning into noodles. They already glossed over in this review of him do having another circular thing. Can what I, are you raising your hand for? I have a problem. You're the host. You a, interrupt yourself. I have a problem with this episode. Really? Yeah. I do. And it's kind of a big one. I wonder if it's the same problem I have. I wonder if it's the same problem I have. What are the rules about time slipping? It's the same one that I have. Okay, because that's not the problem I have. sometimes he time slips and there is a second Loki there. And there's a circular version. And sometimes he time slips and he's back in his original yes, body. This is, I was going to wait to bring this up till the final scene, but he does this in the final scene where he learns how to control it and then he's back and he's sitting in the room with everybody. But if he's following the same rules as he has been for the other time slipping, he should have been sitting right next to himself i think the fact that he's learned how to control it means he's not following the same rules sure but he 
didn't know how to control it before, and he ported to other places. Meh, maybe I don't know. That's weird though. Why? Why if he's time traveling, is he able to suddenly go back into the body he was in? That's weird. That's not the right rule. I have explanations we'll get to later. Okay. Okay. I actually, actually, that's like my favorite part of the episode. Interesting. So we do not have the same problem. Huh. I just find it confusing. I, I, I maybe I will put. So spoiler alert: I had my score at one thing. Then I thought about that for a little while, and then I subtracted half a point. So it's mm. your job to put that half a point back on my score now. Okay. All right. <laughs> so here he finds Casey Pillboy. Except this is not the Casey we know. <laughs> it this... is the pill boy we know, though. <laughs> Breaking out of prison. This is Frank, a career criminal currently trying to escape Alcatraz with his fellow prisoners. This is a real person, by the way. Frank Morris uh, led an escape from Alcatraz along with uh, two brothers and a fourth person who did not make it. Um, but that actually happened in 1962. So Loki was D.B. Cooper uh, and Frank is this guy. Yeah. Yeah, Casey is. There's a whole Wikipedia article about it. Finkel is Einhorn. (laughs) Throughout the episode, Loki is pulled through time and space, uh, but where he ends up is not random. Instead, he appears at the location of each of his friends. He sees B15, who is now a doctor named Dr. Willis in 2012, New York. He sees OB, who is an author scientist named A.D. Douglas in 1994, Pasadena. And he finds Mobius, now named Don, at a Jet Sea shop in 2022, Cleveland. 2012, New York. Yeah. Interesting. Feels significant, don't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah weird to put her there. Uh, yeah. Probably before uh, the Chitauri invasion, because she didn't look at him and go, Oh my God, it's you. It's you, the, the <laughs> man who <laughs> took that guy's eyeball with the weird mechanical. Why are you in a suit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's one more thing I want to say. Sorry about Casey, real quick. Did you catch the callback when he said, They're going to gut us like fishes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's a fish? <laughs> I don't know. What's a fish with you? Hey, oh. <laughs> Out of all of them, Obi seems the least surprised when Loki sits him down and tells him about the TVA and everything that's happened to them. Maybe it's because he's a science fiction author. Maybe it's because he teaches theoretical physics at Caltech. Regardless, OB deduces that the time slipping must be attached to Loki and what he wants. Although the TVA is gone, Loki does time slip to a time theater like the one we saw him in season one, which suggests that in some capacity, the TVA is still around. Yeah, so did you guys notice that, and this is interesting too, and I'm going to bring it up now because like, I could bring it up later, but we see, we see this um, set now. But later in the episode, when he's talking to OB about, um, well, I guess AD, AD, OB, yeah, he's talking to the them about, <laughs> Miles really wants to interrupt, <laughs> he's talking to them about, um, about how Loki does impossible things, so it's possible to do impossible things, but he initially like theorizes that the TVA has to be in a place with time where he wouldn't be able to do it. Did you notice that OB's like warehouse is the exact oh, yeah. set from yeah. where he works in yes. the TVA? Like that can't be a coincidence. I mean, I don't think it's like Mobius had the jet ski fascination, right? Mm-hmm. And he turns out to be a jet ski ski salesman, but I think that's slightly different because like I don't think Mobius 
has the same like relationship with his workspace. No. Yeah. But his workspace looks exactly like his workspace in the TVA, which almost makes me feel like they're going to like have to create the TVA or something and they do it at a- at Obi's house. I don't know. The TVA is his own grandfather. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> That's why it doesn't create the Delta brainwave yeah. because of that past nastification. <laughs> um I my kind of working theory right now is that like Mobius's fascination with jet skis is like his old personality leaking in. Yeah. Whereas OB, it's almost like whoever plucked him, I guess he who remains, and wanted to put him into the TVA was like, This is what he's good at. We're gonna give him a setup just like this. Yeah. Yeah, maybe when you initially not like we're gonna do it, but maybe when you initially pluck someone from a timeline to put them in the TVA, you like ease them in by giving them familiarity, you know? And maybe that's what that's about. Maybe. Hmm. He already had a mind for theoretical physics. He was able to build a temp pad once he was given the uh, the handbook. Right. That's something that would probably be hard for most people, even yeah. with the instructions. OB decides that they need to assemble everyone in that room together to get their group temporal aura so they can transport back to that spot in time and space. He's given the TVA guidebook by Loki to build a tempad. Before Loki can say anything else, he time slips to Cleveland. Loki approaches Mobius, who has no idea who he is, and is initially apprehensive of him until OB appears through a time door from his homemade tempad. Mobius in this universe is a single dad to two sons and has a seemingly comfortable life selling jet skis. Do we think he's a single dad because his wife got blipped? Because this is 2022. Oh, snap. I yes, didn't exactly. think about that. <laughs> I didn't think about that at all. Yeah, I mean, he is pretty confident she's not coming back. Uh, yeah, when he tries to sell Loki the so jet yeah, ski, she's long gone. You know, somebody, uh, one of my friends pointed out to me some. I think it was a tweet where someone was like, "Is this, is this why he and um, is this why Loki and Mobius get along so well? Because Mobius slash Don." is the father of two boys, one of them who is making mischief by lighting things on fire, and the other one he trusts to go put his brother in line, who also has a fascination with snakes. Oh, Don. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That- <laughs> <laughs> that's actually sick. I, I know. Well, uh, I'm accepting that, uh, whether that's what they were going for or not. Loki has daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loki approaches Mobius, who has no idea who he is, blah, blah, blah. I just read that. But Loki convinces him that he should help because all of existence is in danger, including the lives of his children. After some persuading, Mobius agrees to go with them, and Loki <laughs> and Obi assemble the rest of the team before going to what collect did you, Sylvie. What did you say my name was? That's a pretty cool name. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I guess Mobius is my space name. Yeah. <laughs> Returning back to McDonald's in 1982, Loki approaches Sylvie, ready to give her his speech about the TVA. But unlike the other variants, Sylvie remembers him and has all of her memories intact. And here is my problem with the Yeah, episode. this is my second problem. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand why Loki, every time he met one of these people, he's not stupid. He's very smart, you know? So he should realize, oh, these are their timeline versions of themselves. They're not going to remember anything. He should have figured that out very quickly, but each time he met someone... He was surprised that they didn't understand it. Then, why on earth would he think that Sylvie wouldn't know who he is? There's no, like, there's absolutely no reason for that. It's not like she reverted to her previous timeline self. 
right? Because she, she's back at McDonald's. If my, she'd gone my, back to her timeline, she'd be in Asgard. Sure, but then why, how did she end up back in McDonald's? Because, because she's she, she got no, out. No. So I, I, the second time watching this, I assumed that because she still had the uh, He Who Remains watch thing, that while we were watching the camera zoom in on Loki's eyes and everything exploding, she dipped out. She probably just opened a door and went back to McDonald's. What a jerk. Loki's are survivors, right? Is yeah. that what they determined? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what time? she, that's what she did up. in the record shop, too, right? Everything was about to go, yeah. and she just opened a door with her watch. Yeah, so. she was the only one that had a actual means of escape. So that was, that was what I kind of inferred was she's the exact same... Ma- she should be because, like you said, yeah, she yeah. would, in theory, be back on Asgard. Um, but I think she just peaced out. Rather than go with him back to the group, she takes him out for a drink. There at the bar, they return to their previous argument, the one they've been having all season: free will or control. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, thank you, writer. I don't love you. I don't love uh, how not detailed you're. Not Rachel Page, all right. Yeah. But I like that you said that, uh, writer, whoever you are, because. That same friend who I was just telling you about, um, like she's caught up on the show and like we've been talking about it over the last couple of weeks and she said that one of her big problems, and I didn't, I didn't really realize this until she said it, was that Sylvie's entire plot in this show has been, every episode that she talks to Loki has been meet with Loki and Loki tries to discuss having her help. She says no, then she shows up anyway. Rinse, repeat. That's what has happened in every episode. That's That's kind of funny. And it didn't bother me to learn that, but I was also like, yeah, she's not really doing that much this season, is she? Like, she's just kind of being reluctant and then showing up anyway and then doing not much of anything and then doing it again. I did like this scene, though, because I, I couldn't understand what Loki's motivation was like throughout this episode. I mean, I understand him trying to get the band back together, but why he was so insistent and like his insistence that the variant that they belonged back in the TVA, that that was their, you know, your real name is Mobius. Your real name is Casey. And I'm like, okay, that I didn't understand that. And then Sylvie's asking him all the same questions. She knows the answer and she gets the answer out of him. And I found it to be a very satisfying answer that it was like, it's selfish in the sense in that he wants his friends back. This is the first time he has actually had a group of people that he considers friends. They don't distrust him. They, you know, he actually belongs somewhere now, and he doesn't want to lose that. I'm like, okay, this works for me. Yeah, I really like the the pivot that we're heading to, which is that like Loki's whole thing has been about how he wants to save all of these people, but the truth is that what Loki really real has sort of I don't think he's like fully realized it yet, but he's going to like. I think this will be what like Wayne's realizing is that there's no life for him back in wherever he goes. There is no life for him back on the sacred timeline. Mm-hmm. It all just ends in misery. He now feels well, he knows like, he'll die. All right, he now feels like he belongs in the TVA. Yeah, he can't see himself going anywhere in the timeline and it ending up well. Right. Loki is determined to save the TVA and is baffled by Sylvie's selfishness for wanting her own life. To this, Sylvie agrees. She is selfish. She wants a life, she, and she wants to live. What's wrong with wanting something, Loki, she asks him, knowing that the rest of the group have their own lives on their own timelines. Sylvie is content to let them stay there. 
They were never going to join. They were never given a choice to join the TVA. But Loki disagrees and says that agents like Mobius called the TVA their purpose. But he should be given a chance to choose between the branch timeline life and his life at the TVA. And if we remember, in the last season, they actually play this audio clip, and I didn't catch it till the subtitles. But when Renslayer Renslayer asked Mobius, "Where would you go if you could go anywhere in the timeline?" and he, you know, kind of talks his way out of the question. But then later on. When he finally confronts her down, like in the basement of the timekeepers, he says, "You know where I'd go? Wherever it was I was taken from." So hmm. Mobius would have made the choice to go back to his actual home. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting pivot then from the first season. I forgot about that line. We but that was how he felt. Yeah. By the end we could of the have season. Dis- yeah, we could have discussed that when he kind of argued before in this season of like, how do I know if it's good? You know. Before he was so willing to go back, at least in that conversation. It's, I think that you can want something, and then when it becomes a possibility, suddenly you're now afraid oh, to yeah. actually go for it. Well, I mean, this thing that we will never actually experience, but if if we thought about it actually happening to us, would be scary as fuck. I mean, imagine any mm-hmm. of us right now being like, actually, you're on a different timeline, and the real Eduardo is supposed to be in this universe. You want to leave? It's like the clone thing. Right? Yeah. Has yeah, anyone yeah. seen uh, uh, The Prestige? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. How, like, he, uh, with Christian Bale? I'm, I'm, like, spoiling The Prestige right now. So. No, listen, I use that movie often on my movie grid. Do you? <laughs> it, it's not a very high percentage movie, so yeah, I like I that one. That movie. Yeah, it's well, good. It's a high percentage for me in what percent of good is it? Yes, yes. <laughs> good Christopher Nolan film, Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, right? Is that the Hugh Jackman? Yeah, ja- Hugh Jackman, Hugh Scarlett Jackman? Johansson. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, Michael Caine in a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> what? What? I know. Michael Caine. Yeah. Uh, Cillian Murphy's back there somewhere, probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was just sitting off, uh, just off screen. Leonardo DiCaprio's wife from Inception, probably, as well. <laughs> uh, but after all of this, after Sylvie prods Loki for a true answer, Loki reveals that he wants the TVA back because he wants his friends back. He doesn't want to be alone, and in his own way, this is him being selfish as well. Loki isn't doing this to save existence. At a very base level, he doesn't know where he belongs without the TVA, which has been his struggle since the very beginning of his story. Long before the TVA was even a thought in Kevin Feige's mind. Oh, wow, we're really... uh... (laughs) Not an opinion piece. That's funny. (laughs) Remember? (laughs) Loki was a kid pulled from his home and raised by a conqueror. He has never truly belonged anywhere. I mean, that's true. Yeah. He got pulled from a timeline, sort of. When Sylvie rejects Loki's offer to join up with the other agent, she tells him that they must all write their own stories now and leaves him at the bar. Put a pin in that. Pin. Yep. Bereft and confused about what to do next, Loki returns to Obi and the gang. (laughs) (laughs) Obi and the gang? That's funny. They play bass for Obi and the gang. (laughs) Uncertain of how to proceed. Meanwhile, Sylvie visits a record shop and puts on the the Velvet Underground's Oh Sweet Nuttin'. Uh, which is a fitting soundtrack to the end of her world. Everything around her slowly spaghettifies, and realizing that everything has fallen apart, she uses he who remains tempad to go to Loki. Shout out to Lyle, the record store guy. He was very brave to like realize what was happening and to then just start running across to get Sylvie's attention. Yeah. Um, Don't know what he thought he was going to do, <laughs> but he very well just could have been like, oh, crap, guess I'm... Too bad uh, about that coffee, though, huh? I know, man. Uh... 
I really love the way the scene was shot. Oh yeah, yeah, I thought really that was cool. Incredible. When it was rotating around the record. Yeah, and, this is the one. And then the record is just spinning and disintegrating in the air. Yeah, this is the one where they were allowed to like. Yeah. They were allowed to go in on this one. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. This is where all the money went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is why we got Drax arm. <laughs> Do you want Drax arm? This is how we get Drax arm. You know what? That's a trade I'll take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With Sylvie there, the group can finally collect everyone's temporal aura and go back to the specific place in time, except it's too late. Slowly, each of the characters spaghettify in front of Loki. <laughs> The whole world disappears in strands of temporal spaghetti. Wait, time out. Okay. Right before yes, that's the- exactly what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're out of time. Uh, right before that starts happening, uh, they're like, they're looking for the tempad, and they accuse Casey slash Frank of stealing it, and mm-hmm. he's like, "That's all well and good, but I didn't take it." And then he gets spaghettied. Who do you think took it? You think Loki I, took I it? I think it got spaghettied. You think it got spaghetti? Yes. Nothing else had gotten spaghettied yet. Well, you don't that was know the first time it got spaghetti. That got spaghetti. Well, yeah. I guess that's true. I don't well, know. I don't know if you notice, like in the Sylvie scene, she puts her McDonald's up in the back of the truck. She turns around and it gets spaghettied. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. I just wondered, like, it, it could have been spaghettied, sure. But the way I thought about it was like maybe a, a time traveling Loki picked it up earlier in the scene, you know, and that's why it's not there anymore. No, I think it got spaghetti. Yeah, I think that's just supposed to be your first hint that things are disappearing. Yeah. Gotcha. That's just the first thing that goes because it's the most dramatic thing that could go. Yeah. Mm. The whole world disappearance, it disappears into strands of temporal spaghetti, and it's at this moment that he time slips and jumps right back to moments before. I'm just waiting for somebody to interrupt me. We already, ta- we already talked about that. I'm just, uh, look, I'm just being prepared. <laughs> Realizing he is prepared now getting a handle on, ti- on his time slipping, Loki knows what he has to do to rewrite the story. He goes back to the point in time right before someone goes through the blast doors. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like we like ran through the synopsis of this episode. Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of how the episode felt. It felt, uh, it didn't feel like a necessarily slow episode, but like it was a very like, it wasn't a plot-heavy episode. It was very character-heavy. Yeah. It was very, like, you know, uh, and, like, emotion, and there was, like, some like lots of dialogue, but, like, not a lot actually happens yeah. in this episode. I think it's also pretty theme-heavy. Yeah, for sure. There are a lot of moments that are just, like, silence and walking and yeah. scenery. I thought, like, some of the visual stuff they did with the scenery was really cool. When he was first time-slipping through all the different places and, like, you saw the um, like the wacky inflatable flailing arm tube oh, man, and he comes great... out. He comes out of his time slip, and he also does the yeah. tube man thing. Like, I wonder how long Tom Hiddleston did that <laughs> yeah. to like try to get it just right. Um, and like all the different. Pl- I mean, the show once again visually felt very Loki again. Yeah. Like again, you remove the characters from the show, and I'd still go, "That's a Loki set." You know, we're in a jet ski. We're in a jet ski motorbike ATV shop, and I'd go, this is Loki. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a very well-directed episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta, I'll just say this now. I mentioned this in our chat earlier. The ending of this episode was so good. The, the, just the final moments of him realizing he knows how to control it, him flipping back to the TVA, and you get like a second of that. And then, but the music is building, and then it goes right into the Loki theme. And the cre- it cuts to the credits. The Loki theme kicks in, 
It was like just one of the best musical transitions that this show has ever done. Uh, Natalie Holt, you're a god. We love you. <laughs> Specifically, I, I. Do you think I'll get in trouble if I love Natalie Holt? <laughs> yes. Oh well, I do. Um, also, though, speaking of her, the opening credits were really fucking cool too. Yes, because yeah, the, it was like the a... song's like playing like in weird reverse for a little while. Yeah, and then it goes back to being like in time, but then all the letters are disappearing instead of stopping. Yeah, that was a very interesting opening. I, I like that, that a lot. Really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah I uh, feel like we don't get to hear the full orchestral Loki. TV fanfare that much, and that makes it like better. Like anytime yeah. they mm-hmm. do it, it like it, you you can feel it. Right. I think this was the first full statement of that theme this mm-hmm. season. There have been like a couple moments where they've done like a few notes, like a bum 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 bum, uh, yeah. you know, or like in the the ragtime version of it or whatever. Yeah, the the, the umpapa, yeah, the German band. But yeah, this is like the first like full time that this theme has played. So you you have two things that you asked us to put a pin in. Okay, so. It's something that the synopsis totally glossed over, even though it's the name of the episode. Oh, science fiction. Science slash fiction. So when he first meets A.D., the author, Loki's like, oh, God, you're a writer. This isn't going to help. He's like, yeah, I know. It's sad. I have to teach theoretical physics. I have a Ph.D. And Loki's like, oh, that's great. But A.D. is approaching. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Miles is like, I got something to say about this. <laughs> Miles, what do you think of me? <laughs> Miles. He's like, dude, I love he said, AD. Uh, I don't know what you're doing right now, but it, you, right now you're actually just going to pet me. Stop interrupting my dad. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Mike. Oh, my goodness. Hello. Oh, oh is it my turn? Yep. Oh, hey. Hi, buddy. Okay. Hi. <laughs> the hell was I saying? <laughs> All right. Hey, ow, so AD hey. initially approaches this problem as an author, mm-hmm. right? He's like, like just his his idea. I first of all, I loved the line, um, which was it. You can't. That's impossible. But don't let that stop you. And mm-hmm. it's not sarcastic. It is a hundred percent earnest, which is. The same kind of thing that OB has done throughout this uh, series. I feel like I made the exact same comment about another line earlier. So he says, with science, it's all what and how. But with fiction, it's why. So, again, he's a writer and he's thinking about it that way. Loki's insisting, no, I need you to approach us like a scientist. So they do that. They build the temp pad. Everything's going on. But it's not until Loki realizes... At the end. All right. So he says, it's not what, it's not why, it's not, or it's not what, it's not how, it's not why, it's who, which I think we will get a bit more of an ex- explanation about that next week. But he, you know, it's when he sees Sylvie, you know, disappearing, he realizes, I'm going to go back here. I'm going to jump back here. I know exactly how to do this now. He has control of it. And my theory, and this is something I brought up way back on the first Loki episode we ever did two years ago in when one of my favorite Loki comic book storylines, Loki agent of Asgard, um, he realizes he doesn't want to be the God of lies anymore. And Odin says to him in a vision, remember what a lie is. And Loki realizes it's a story. 
and he decides, I'm the god of stories. This whole series has been very science fiction-y, but we've gotten a lot of Loki being kind of a god, you know, and we've kind of talked about that throughout. It's like, oh, you know, it's really great that, you know, they got to go to Earth and he got to use magic. He got to use magic in the TVA. He has that conversation with Sylvie last week. We are gods. And I think this is him. You know, he's been wearing a suit this entire uh, entire series. And I'm ready for him to wear some god stuff again. Some crazy ass guardian green and gold. But I think this is him realizing I'm a god. Let me act like one. And realizing that part of his godly powers is that he has control over stories. This is getting really metatextual here, but I really think that is what they're going for. Because his time slipping has all been what the story has required. And I think they're doing this in such a way where it's not cheap. It's not, okay, we're using coincidences to make the story happen. It's because Loki is potentially a god of stories that he is able to, he has like narrative powers in a certain, in sort of a way like that, where he knows what he needs to do to rewrite the story. He even says that I can, I can rewrite the story. And I think Sylvie, and I think he might remember Sylvie's words there at the end when she said, we're all writing our own story. Now go write yours. And he realizes, you know, I can go, I can, I can write the story. And this is a story I'm going to write. It's a story where we fix everything. So I think this is Loki kind of realizing a new level of his godhood in, in a certain way. And I think that's what his time slipping, it was manifesting just kind of crazy. You know, that's why it's impossible in the TVA, but he does, it's not just time for him. It's the narrative. And so he can do that through these, you know, story powers. I don't even know what to call them, but I think that that was like just some sort of manifesting before you realize how to control it. And now he is starting to get a full control over it. He's going to be a much more powerful figure than, than we ever have seen him before. And I, that's why I liked how they handled the time slipping. That's if, hmm. if this is where they're going. And again, this is going to be one of those things that's kind of contingent on what are they going to do in the final episode? But if that's the direction they're taking this and all signs are really just pointing because they're hammering home this, write your story, write your story, write your story. And before AD, you know, spaghettis, he says <laughs> it was a fiction problem, you know, and not as in not a science problem. It was a fiction problem. And I think that also is kind of what ticks the box in, in Loki's head and make, makes him realize, okay, this is how I need to approach it. This is how I can control it. So I think if that's where we're going, I'm all in, you know. Do you think that he got these time-slipping powers because of Sylvie kicking him through the door? Or do you think they were dormant and he just, this is like, now I need him? I think it possibly is because he got kicked through the door while he who remains, who has been this very powerful figure, he was kind of authoring the story of the universe. Hmm. And that maybe was holding him back from realizing his true potential. Why have there been so many Lokis that are in particular, the TVA has gone after so many Lokis. Lokis specifically were a threat to the, the sacred time. If all the other Lokis are gods of stories, then they would interrupt he who remains plan to keep yeah. a timeline the way it is perhaps. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, 
main timeline Loki is fine because Thanos kills him. Uh, you know, the um, what are they uh, called? Classic Loki. He was OK because Thanos didn't kill him, but he faked his death. It was as soon as he decided, you know, maybe I'm just going to step out of my little exile that the TVA came and grabbed him. But any Loki that, you know, takes a step towards maybe awakening this power within him that he doesn't know he has or she. And, you know, in the case of Sylvie, that's a threat. Hmm. That would be an author, maybe more powerful than he who remains. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to. St- you didn't get you didn't get the half point back. Not uh. because you didn't do a good job explaining it, but because I think, like you just said at the end, me feeling okay about his power being able to now replace him when he slips instead of be there with past version of him or future version of him is contingent on how they maybe explain this. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it remains to be seen. We've had a lot of times where we said, okay, we'll see what happens in the next episode, and it's not necessarily satisfying. Yeah. Like every episode of Secret Invasion. Um, <laughs> you know, I also went back and listened. When are we going to let that and go? And I said, I, I on our Secret Invasion episode, I listened back and I said, you know, I think it was better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier unless they, do, they stick with this roadie thing. I have changed my mind on that. Oh, yeah? I don't know how. Just the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, no, Secret Invasion is just the lowest one on the totem pole. Hmm. No questions asked. I just, the more, it's just one of those ones that the more I sit with it, the more I'm like, man, just what a what a bummer. Anyway, but that's enough about that show. Y'all, also, though, to be fair, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was a while ago now. Maybe you should go back and watch it. Yeah. See which one you hate more. <laughs> I will rewatch it before captain america 4 yeah yeah and not a second sooner hey for you was this uh it's not who or how or why but or it's not blah 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 it's who did that give you my friends or my power kind of <laughs> kind of yeah it was a little cheesy yeah. a little cheesy uh but it's fine uh, i think this episode of loki or this not episode but this season of loki is a, a significantly more the first season of Loki felt like a, a show about what was happening. Mm-hmm. And this season, not first episode, first season, this season feels more about the themes of what's happening. Yeah. It's a significantly more thematic season. And so, like, I, I don't know if we'll get, like, a crazy resolution to all of this. Yeah. I, my guess is it'll be a, a lot more of, like, an emotional resolution than anything. Yeah, I thought that, you know, the first season had some good thematic stuff going that I felt like it kind of tossed away in the finale mm. by introducing He Remains. I still think that a much more narratively satisfying ending to season one would have been that it was a Loki at the end of time, manipulating mm. things. I think that I still think that would have been better, but you know, we got to build the universe. So yeah. here comes He Remains. Yeah. But He Remains wasn't Kang. I don't know. Yeah. They oh, wait. made that decision. Wait, wait, wait. We said we were going to talk about this too. That Variety article. Oh, yeah. Now we have to get mad. Hold on, because I just remembered it. Uh, I guess I brought it up, but you're the one that found it. Describe. Do we, we want to finish talking about, like, wrap yeah, up the episode, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then episode, that could be yeah. our, you, you said, our second topic? You said it should have been Loki, and, like, in your... Yeah, that's why it got brought up. That's okay. why my brain said, talk about this. Okay. So what are we going to rate? <laughs> <laughs> episode five of season two of Loki. I'll, I'll go, since... Uh, no one's talking. Um, I 
liked it. I like I said, I had some issues with the first half of it, but I really liked what it's potentially doing thematically. Pending what happens next week, I am going to give it um, eight unsold science fiction books out of ten. Mm. Hmm. Or a lot more than that. Oh, yeah, but I'm only taking. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take. And it. I'm only talking about Speaking these of ten. That. Speaking of that, I did love when he was like, maybe I'll find one around here that you can have. Yeah, oh, here's one. <laughs> but there were like piles and stacks <laughs> yeah. of them all around. Um, also, oh, did you catch the uh, Zaniac uh, arcade game? Did you watch the credits all the way to the end, even yes. though there wasn't anything? Yes, I did. Because Zaniac at the end is like, you died, loser, insert coin. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also, I actually rated it higher than you did. Wow. Um. <laughs> And, and then took off a point, so that's interesting. Or took off half a point. I really liked this episode. I liked the emotion behind it. Um, I am still, like I said, still confused about the the laws of this time slipping. Uh, time keeps on slipping for Loki. Um, hopefully that's solved soon. I think it will be, but no, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was visually pleasing. I enjoyed every time Natalie Holt did anything ever and excited to see what's coming next so this one gets eight and a half wacky inflatable flailing arm tube men out of ten nice. pending another half point maybe we'll go back and give it a nine i still think episode two is the weakest of the season oh for sure yeah uh, i think this one's probably up there for me actually as, as far as, as weakest yeah hmm uh yeah i think the the sticking point i still don't enjoy the whole Loki is there is another Loki at sometimes and sometimes there's yeah he goes back into his own body type thing yeah uh and so that kind of loses a little bit for me so I'll give it eight uh revolving spaghettis out of ten you know I am curious too if this power to change stories is as you just described it Chris I know I'm late but I've been thinking about what you said for like however long it's been that seems way too fucking powerful to let him stay alive yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if he's going to have, like, you know, I'm sure there will be limits on it, but I do think that it's going to be kind of a new aspect of his powers. And yeah. at least here, it's all, like, still within his personal storyline, his personal timeline. Yeah. So that might have, that might be, like, one of the limitations on it. He can't just go around changing everybody's story. Yeah. Maybe. I guess, well, I guess we'll have to see how it plays out because I feel like if you just had a had a god that could go around altering people's stories, it would be like, all right, he is as meta. And I love stuff that like like She Hulk, right? Like I love the meta stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it'd be weird if Loki was just going around like, ah, I didn't like the way that ended. You know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me rewrite that. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but. Maybe the responsibility that he's gaining from all this, maybe that's why he is a good fit to replace He Who Remains. Yeah. You know, maybe that's how they, like, keep him in check. Kind of like they do with Doctor Strange. Every time, like, every time some battle's happening, they give Doctor Strange something to hold. They're like, here, hold this hold this waterfall. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're too powerful. Go hold the waterfall. Like, maybe that's what they'll do with Loki. Like, ah, you're too powerful now. Go watch the TVA. Go babysit. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in the comics, when he comes to this realization, he comes to this realization about his role because he is actively trying to be a good person now. Mm. Like he wants to not be the villain anymore. 
Yeah. So, you know, I think maybe that maturity, that growth of Loki is necessary for him to reach this epiphany. That's why, you know, any Loki that tries to do good gets pruned also, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Can't have all these story gods. So now we can go over to the Variety article, Chris, if you want to. Yeah. So, I mean, Variety put out a big, it's their cover story this um, this week. Uh, it's about Marvel Studios and how it's in trouble, blah, 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 you know. And there's a lot of talk. Some of the stuff has actually already been refuted. I don't know if you oh, saw this. What, um, what things? So, like, one of the things they said was, oh, by the time the Marvels was in editing, Nia DaCosta was off working on her next movie. And she was like, yes, that was the timing. Did you know that we can work remotely? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Did you like in 1993 Spielberg was doing that when he did Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year? Yeah. Okay. So that's not that weird. It's weird that they made a big deal out of that. You know, it's not that she's. That seems like a cop pulling you over for one thing and finding something else to try to ding you on. It's like, yeah, I think she was like filming in England, maybe. uh, So she had to go somewhere else. But that doesn't mean that she's not still involved in post production, you know? So, yeah, that's something. And this is a, and a lot of things kind of got pulled out of context, you know, so all the news aggregation websites could be like, oh, did you hear? They considered pivoting to Dr. Doom. Yeah, I saw probably 12 different articles yeah. before I realized this is what you were referencing that were all like, Kang's out, Doom's probably in, yeah. Marvel's in trouble. Like, how do you all know this? Do you like, know what considering pivoting to dr doom means it means that probably at their summit because you know they have their yearly creative summit or whatever they probably said do we need to think of some alternate storylines in case this jonathan majors thing is as bad as it sounds yeah and somebody you know i'm sure because they're doing secret wars and doom was like one of the main characters in the comic series i'm sure someone said we could think about using doom my, it might not have gone any farther than that, but that's what... I'll be honest with you. I'd bet a lot of money that Doom is in Secret Wars. Yeah, because Fantastic Four is supposed to be out before it anyway. Yeah, my guess is that they're they're like, oh, when they talked about pivoting Doom, all they talked about was like bringing Doom in earlier because my yeah. guess is he'll be there. Like, yeah. It doesn't make sense to have Secret Wars without Doctor Doom. Yeah. He's like one of the main characters of the whole thing. Here's the I, big, I hope he gets a little bit of buildup before it. Sure. Yeah. The, the big problem I have with all this is, and I know I've ranted about this on the show before, but it just is so stupid that it feels like nobody wants to accept that this is a possibility. I Like, I feel like... Oh, Mu- yes. I feel like Mugatu in, uh, in um, Zoolander. It's like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. Like, what is so wrong about recasting? I, I don't understand. Everyone's like, oh, Marvel's going to have to do this because this actor did a thing that we don't like. Just have someone else play the fucking character. There are several actors out there who could handle this. There one, are you know? there's, uh, there's so many. And even if it, they didn't have the exact same feel, who cares? P- tell the story you want to tell. Find someone else to do it. All of us audience members for the five seconds it would take for us to go... That person's not the Kang I remember. I guess they're Kang now. Yeah. We're all playing pretend. We go to the movies. We know that we're not watching something that really happened. 
we're playing pretend, watching people play pretend on a screen, we can pretend that the person who's now playing the pretend character was the character before. It's not a big deal. We've done this with Mark Ruffalo. We've done this uh, with John Cheadle. We're about to do this with Harrison Ford. I, I just don't understand why, like, that, like, everyone latched onto the, they're gonna have to change. They're gonna have to. Fuck you. It's just all these clickbait nonsense people saying these yeah. things, you know, like, it, there's no, no, there, and my guess is that they're, like, at this point, they're probably not pivoting. I but I think are. there um, are, I do think there are a lot of people out there that, like, they, like, shudder at the idea of a recast. Like, it's the end of the world. I like, think that's just studio executives. Yeah. I don't know. If, <laughs> I, de- I definitely see it online. I think I talked about this with Ahsoka, right? I think I brought that up. I don't know. I don't remember. I probably um, didn't pay attention. Okay, well, uh, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. I know I do that all the time anyway, but this time I'm apologizing first. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ray Ray Winstone. Oh, that, that, yeah. Now I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, <laughs> you know, he played a character in Ahsoka. His storyline was not resolved at the end. It ended with a, you know, it was kind of a tease of that there was more to come. And I saw multiple comments in line of, oh, it's too bad they're not going to be able to finish yeah. that. Guess that's done now. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I saw some said, <laughs> yeah, they'll just have to, you know, do some exposition about something that happened off screen. Like, or they can recast. Like yes, it's it, it it will be sad that and this is a situation where the actor passed away, you know. So that's always sad, you know. But that's also a recastable role, much like uh, Thunderbolt Ross. You know, that's the one where you know you recast and you move on. I understand why sometimes you might not recast, like T'Challa. We talked about this a lot in our Wakanda Forever episode. Different circumstances, right? In this case. I still think it's likely that they're going to end up recasting um, because there are some new stuff that came out about Jonathan Majors in this story, one of which being that his old agency apparently allegedly dropped him because he was abusive to staff members, like just like awful to work with, like to staff members there. Mm. So uh, allegedly they let him go that way, you know, because of that. I think I find some of that stuff difficult to believe not because i don't like i don't like think jonathan majors did things one way or another but i think i've had a one too many fanatical like press releases of like you know like this whole um the whole like doctor doom thing and things Mm. like that and uh, being included in the same article you know i don't know if i necessarily trust uh these outlets to like like it, it, it does feel like they are digging mm-hmm. to have a scoop rather than reporting on like, like what is happening. And like on the one hand, yeah. Variety usually, you know, they generally do have good sources, but this felt more along lines of an opinion piece than like a news breaking story. Right. I also am currently just I don't like the trades right now because they are so up the studio's asses about the strikes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I hate them for that. Um. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not trying to be like a do-your-own-research kind of person, but instead I'm just trying to say, you know, like sensationalism is, mm-hmm. you know, maybe take anything with a grain of salt so that you can, you know. Yeah, like I, I'm sure there are things in that article that are true. Sure, absolutely. Um, And, you know, it is also just kind of factual that the movies are making less money. The Marvels is not tracking to make, uh, you know, have a great opening. 
And that sucks, not because I need Marvel to succeed, but I don't need all the jerks on the internet yeah. saying, "Lo, <laughs> this movie led by three women, by three women, Brie Larson, who incels hate, um, well, you know, and then we have a black woman and a Muslim woman. Yeah, but like, <laughs> it makes sense if you think about it. These idiots go to see every Marvel movie, and then they don't go to see this one. So this movie makes less money because a part of the Marvel core audience doesn't want to go see it. No, no, no. Obviously, we, it makes less money. We, no, ag- we agree not, with you there. What we don't, what we're not looking forward to, are the incels online that just hate Brie Larson to no, go. No, no, no. Look I, at that. I agree, but yeah. they're the ones that like. They're, they're like, not the reason it's not going to make money, though. It's that people didn't watch them as Marvel. That was like the lowest watched Disney Plus show. Um, the marketing's not been great, and just the downward trend of superhero movies. If this one had been released last year, like if this had been released in the sl- same slot as Doctor Strange, it probably would have made as much money as Doctor Strange did. Uh, I think it's coming out at a bad time, and it's going to be a perfect opportunity for these incels to, you know, crow about it when they were doing the same thing to the original Captain Marvel, which made a billion dollars. So I don't think they are enough to actually have an effect like the effect that, you know, this one, you know, it's tracking for like 70 million. That's not that's not an organized far right circle jerk uh, that's causing that. It's a bunch of other factors (laughs) that's, you know, in there. Hearing you say circle jerk is funny. It was weird. I felt weird saying it. That's comedy gold. I think the most important part about this whole discourse is that and maybe this is like a tough thing that people just need to hear Endgame that culmination that whole thing that's never happening again no it will never it, it was a once in a lifetime uh, you know series of events that like you couldn't manufacture like Marvel like I am sure that at the beginning of when they put out Iron Man, they weren't like, and it's all going to end with Thanos. Oh, it definitely wasn't. And all <laughs> of these people, like, no, they, they like, just kept kind of walking into these hits that they were like, oh, and then, like, eventually they made some sort of plan. But, like, it was, it, it, it took a series of events that you're never going to be able to replicate, which is why no other studio uh-huh. has been able to do this with their own franchise. And I don't think Marvel will ever be able to sort of replicate the same magic. So people should stop looking at it through the lens yeah. of comparing it to these other things because it's, in my opinion, they're not comp- you're never going to be able to do that again. Like public opinion is never going to sway back mm. into Marvel is fantastic again unless Marvel takes a nosedive for a while or disappears for a while and then people, you know, forget and kind of move on and they're like oh wait no we're bringing it and they go on a nostalgia trip we're bringing it back oh oh yeah there was another uh one that like oh they've talked about getting the original avengers back together uh, oh yeah and again that could just be one person said it not they are actively pursuing robert downey jr yeah you know but it, it gets you know inflated out there in the blogosphere but you know i think it's Endgame was a jumping, a good jumping off point for people. A lot of people watching go, okay, you know what? Satisfying ending. I'm done. You know, I was, an, I was, that was fun. I think you know the pandemic certainly didn't help. That kind of threw off the timing for a lot of things. I think there is merit to the idea that there's just been too much, too much of a, too much to keep up with, because there. 
I, I if you look at minutes, uh, just the minutes of uh, TV show and movies in just phase four and what we've gotten to five, it's already more than everything from Iron Man to Endgame. You know, so that's a lot of stuff. And I think they I think their plans are, you know, and this is funny because Bob Iger is like, yeah, you know, all these TV shows really diluted their focus. Whose idea was it to make the TV shows, Bob? <laughs> Who wanted stuff to fill your streaming service, Bob? And then you walk out mm. right before a pandemic. Hi, you you pick a crappy replacement and then you come back to try to be the savior, Bob. A Bob that was a high-ranking Disney employee did a stupid thing. Hard to believe. It's crazy that no that would happen way. with more than one person in that description. Hey, I don't think that I am on the same page with this anymore. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what my opinion was. I can't remember at this <laughs> point. My brain, don't brain too good. But I don't think there's a lot of merit to the argument about there being too much. And here's why this is a studio that is based on comic books. You don't have to read every comic book to know every comic book Mm storyline and you can go and you can use resources. If you need to be filled in on a specific thing before you watch a movie, there are resources out there that you could say, all right, I'm going to go watch X, Y, Z thing. What do I need to know? And you can know that stuff without having to watch 23 movies. Could you watch 23 movies before you watch Spider-Man No Way Home? Sure, you could, like we I, did, because we like it. I don't know you could also learn the things you need to learn and then go watch the movie. I don't know if that's necessarily the argument anymore. I don't think it's that people feel like they need to have watched the 20-something movies beforehand. I think the, the issue is that there is just a new Marvel thing every other day. Don't and, watch it. And it, it's it's not of, an issue. Don't watch it. It sort of sets fatigue with some people. Um, that sounds like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not talking to you, but that sounds like a you problem. Like that sounds like a I can't control my addiction to this Marvel stuff. If you think there's too much, take a break from watching it. Well, the only reason it's a problem is that the studio has set it up. You know, Disney set it up in such a way that every Marvel thing needs to be the biggest thing. What they need to do is... Is that them or is that us? No, that's, no it's 100% it's, Disney. Uh, they, of course, want every Marvel movie. They threw $250 million movie. at goddamn Secret Invasion. <laughs> yeah, no, they for sure want it to be. And and that's the problem that people I think that people have is that like what used to... And I think they also have short memories and they are only remembering some of the last like big ones and they're comparing everything to that. But they everything is marketed as this is the next... like. It's time for the next Marvel thing, and it's supposed to be this big bomb. Like they mm. they have said, they're like, oh, we're gonna do side stories, ten different commercials for Loki season two. We got a McDonald's sponsorship. Like, I, mm, I, I guess I, I kind of feel like that's just the underlying advertisement for every movie. Uh, but every action movie is here's the hot action movie of the summer. Here's the hot rom com of the summer. Well, let me like sure, but. Every other studio is trying to be Marvel. They're trying to follow in Marvel's like, like marketing. <laughs> Mysterious door. <laughs> but, the, but I mean, the problem is that, you know, like Quantumania made, I forget how much money. It made a lot of money, but not enough a lot of money because capitalism requires infinite growth. So to the studios, Ugh. like it is literally considered a failure. Uh, and that's you know if the studio considers it a failure then it's a failure by you know they're the ones who 
make the terms, you know, whether you liked the movie or not or whatever. And all these movies are very expensive. And if they don't set the world on fire, or they don't set the box office on fire, then that's considered a failure, you know, rightly or not. So I think what they need to do, and I think they're starting this too, is they need to diversify what they're doing. And I feel like they were planting the seeds for this. We talked about this way back with Shang-Chi. You know, it's like, okay, it really seemed like with the TV shows and the movies that were coming out, they're setting up a little street, street level corner of the Marvel Universe. They're setting up a magic corner. They're setting up the cosmic corner. They're setting up kind of your main, your, your, your main Avengers. And it seemed like that was the direction they were going. And it felt like it was going to be the kind of thing where it's like, okay, well, you know, these are the storylines I'm really interested in. I'm just going to follow these, which is like the comics. The difference is comics are a lot less expensive to make than movies and TV shows. But um, did you see how they are now going to be releasing Echo under a completely new banner? Uh, Marvel Spotlight. Marvel Spotlight. Yeah. So oh. Marvel Spotlight Didn't is see that. going to be MCU stories. It's clearly just the spiritual successor to the Netflix stuff. They're going to be Marvel stories that are going to be mostly street level that you don't need to have watched all the movies to get. Hmm. They'll kind of be their own self-contained things. There will be you know connections. They are set in the MCU. They're obviously, you know, Echo is the first one. Echo already has connections to Hawkeye and Daredevil. So there will still be connections, but they're not going to have to require that you've seen everything. And the Marvel's head of streaming said, oh, yeah, just like you didn't need to be caught up on Avengers to read a Ghost Rider comic. That's what this is going to be like. Hmm. And and it makes sense. I think that's kind of what they need to do is, you know, have some things that are maybe a little bit less expensive. There's not as much pressure on them to be successful. But they're there, and maybe one of them will strike a big audience. But then they're all there on the table for your big movies, you know, your Avengers. You know, when they get to Secret Wars, Kang Dynasty, they can use Echo and Daredevil. You know, the next Spider-Man movie can use Fisk and Daredevil if they want to. So they're there, but they're kind of doing their own thing, just like the comics. And that's, I, I think that if they are smart about, you know, where they allocate their time and their money... They can still create some things that are successful that don't have to be as successful as Avengers to be considered successes. I feel like, unfortunately, they'll like it'll never like I don't think that 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 studio, that that company can look at something that is not a mega hit and see it as anything else but a failure. And that's a them problem. hundred percent. That is a them problem. But Mm, I think that is the reality of that studio is that they they, they can't look at these movies and these TV shows, and if it's not the thing, they they consider it a failure. Listen, yeah. from a money perspective, I agree with everything you're saying. I just, sometimes I want to pretend capitalism <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. Well, it does. Because it sucks. <laughs> uh, but I do want to live personally in my own little world where $70 million is a failure. I'll take $70 right. million. <laughs> yeah, I'll fail what for a $70 failure. million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other thing... I think it's very interesting that throughout, you know, phase four and five, uh, and I'm going on record. I think I said this before. I hate the phase designations. They're useless, Um, especially when the the delineations are so arbitrary. You know, that probably does not contribute positively to the people screaming about how it's all connected. Yeah, Yeah. because I remember even before, you know, before Endgame even came out, Feige like kind of hinted, yeah, you know, we might not even call them phases after this. Things are going to be a little bit different. 
He should have stuck with that. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone's like, what was phase four about? You know, phase one and with Avengers. It made sense. Phase two, Ultron Ant-Man made sense. Phase three, Endgame, No Way Home, uh, or Far From Home made sense. Phase four ended with... Uh, was Wakanda Forever the last Phase Four or the first Phase Five? I don't remember. Dude, I exactly. can't even. T- I can't even I tell you. Remember. What does it matter? Yeah, I think Wakanda I Forever was the last Phase Four. Quanta- or Quantum Mania was the first Phase Five. There might have even been a TV show in between them. Who the hell cares? That doesn't make any <laughs> damn sense. Um, but I think that Marvel has fallen victim to the same thing George Lucas did, which is they've fallen for their own mythologizing about how their movies are created. George Lucas would like to tell anyone who listens that he had, you know, the entire prequel trilogy and the entire original trilogy planned out, which is a lie. There's no way. Yeah. No, because... <laughs> he wrote one movie, and then it did good, and then he wrote two more movies. Mm-hmm. He, they, that original trilogy was basically made up as they went along. Darth Vader was not, Darth, was not Anakin Skywalker until Empire Strikes Back. Now, granted, at that point... He did start coming up with backstory. So uh, you can read interviews with him talking about Return of the Jedi, where he basically does describe what happens in Revenge of the Sith. So he did have those ideas by then, but it was not all 100% planned out. And the Leia thing, you know, Leia being Luke's sister, that was an invention for Return of the Jedi because yeah. they would not have kissed There's an Empire no Strikes Back <laughs> <Yeah>. if <laughs> he knew that. <laughs> And that's okay. I don't know, bro. Stephen King wrote it. That I don't know. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Like now, some some people do plan out their stories. You know, I th- I think I don't want to bring her up as a great example, but J.K. Rowling, I think she did have all that stuff planned out before she wrote it. You know, because a lot of the pieces very clearly fit together. Like it, there definitely was some forethought but that was also i am writing seven books i know exactly what i'm doing here you said all that stuff planned out in advance and in my I head think i she, went being a turf i think she had a very very thin outline but i think it is very clear that she didn't plan actually all and we don't this is oh, not yeah. a jk i mean i think that uh, there were, yeah. I think she had a like a she knew where it was going to start and she knew where it was going to end and i think the middle part gets a little more missed yeah and i do think that when you whenever you're creating and i think this is the right way to do it leave yourself room to improvise and change direction in the middle if you're writing a long form thing like that because you don't know where the story is going to take you you might think oh this is going to be how it goes and you might realize halfway through oh this is much better I'm going to yeah, do this. What, why am I still doing the house cup? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Star, I think Star Wars is a good example of that What one. is the point of all the other players in Quidditch when we could just catch the snitch? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but to my original point, everyone likes to talk about how everything was building up to Endgame. It wasn't. No. It was, there were seeds planted, but there was not a story planned. Thanos, uh, we've talked about this before, was just Joss Whedon saying, hey, I think Loki should be working for somebody. Can I throw Thanos in the credits? And him being surprised when Kevin Feige said, sure. So they retconned those, you know, those, um, the Tesseract into being an Infinity Stone. They retconned the Scepter into being an Infinity Stone. The goo. The goo. Yeah, so then... The ooze is Ivan Ooze. Ivan All they ooze. did was they introduced a bunch of characters. Ivan Reality Ooze. They had their characters... <laughs> You know, adv- you know, stories happen to those characters, and every once in a while they'd introduce a new Infinity Stone. But it, the Infinity Saga was a bunch of stuff, and then Infinity War. 
You know, the entire Infinity War story happens in Infinity War. Uh, it, it, every Thanos isn't a character until Infinity War. Yeah. He shows up a couple times to glare at the camera, but he's not a character until then. So it was not an overarching story. It was a bunch of stories, some of which were connected. Um, characters kind of go in between them. And every once in a while, here's a thing that, you know, we're going to get to this later. I think that's what they've been doing here. But people don't see the not trying to make a joke here, but they don't see the end game. <laughs> and got him. Let's pack it up, boys. Let's go home. It's a lot easier to, you know, you know, for a movie to come out and for, you know, Doctor Strange to at the end have Wong say, oh, yeah, but that's an Infinity Stone. You shouldn't be messing with it. And everyone goes, ooh, an Infinity Stone, you know, so <laughs> it feels connected now. Even though, you know, Doctor Strange hasn't met anyone until the credits he meets Thor, you know. So I think I, I think that phases four and five have not been any more or less connected than phases one through three personally um and i just think it's interesting that i hear the complaints that it's too connected and not connected enough i hear them both and it's can't please anyone let's talk about fun stuff i want to hear some recommendations recommendation jingle yeah you guys have a recommendation to help our listeners get through their week i've been thinking about this all day and i haven't done anything new since last week yeah i'm kind of in a similar boat boring like Went to Horror Nights again. Yeah, we were saying our goodbyes to Horror Nights. Yeah, saying goodbye. That's my recommendation. Saying goodbye. I recommend the AMPTP get their heads out their ass. Armpit? Yeah, the armpits. That's what, that's what I call producers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just saw, you know, they offered, they gave SAG Afro to their quote unquote, you know, best last and final offer. And I, ju- I saw before coming over here that sag is rejecting it. Yeah. So the strike continues one day longer, one day stronger, as they have been saying. So. Hey, at least by the time all these actors uh, get paid the amount they should get paid, hopefully their stuff will be written for them since yeah. the writer's yeah. strike is good. Everyone's getting their Marvel break whether they wanted it or not. Yeah. Now. It's interesting. One day longer, one day stronger is what I would tell myself every day growing up. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, man? Uh... I guess I could recommend like an oldie but goodie. Recommend literally anything. I'm yeah. playing Bloodborne. Okay. Have I recommended that on the show before? I don't know. Hey, if you like hard games, if you like creepy games, if you played any of the Souls games, Elden Ring, Dark Souls, Demon Souls, uh, and you haven't played Bloodborne, that's weird. But hey, play Bloodborne. It's fun. It's very difficult. Eduardo somehow when he played it for the first time, one shot everything. Not literally I, I, one shot. He just didn't die to anything ever. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, I don't know. It, it was. It's <laughs> one of those games that rewards you for being like really aggressive, and that's me, baby. Yeah. That's, that's how I play video games. Yeah, you did it just right. Yeah. <laughs> I've been playing through it because uh, when I played it on stream, I played it through just the ending of the game, and a lot of Souls games are kind of like... They have this similar structure where you get to the end of the game and depending on the things you've done, you get like one of three endings. And so when I played it on stream, I played through one of the endings, got the trophy for that ending, and then didn't go back to it. And I've been cleaning up my 
trophies to try to get the platinums I can get lately. And I was like, oh, I never, I never went back for the other two Bloodborne endings. So that's why I'm playing that now. Mm. Um, and I've only got four trophies to go, but they've been sitting there unearned for years now. And all of them are like the finish. The, two of them are finish the game with this ending, finish the game with this ending. One of them's collect all the weapons and one of them's do the really boring side dungeon thing for several hours of your life until you defeat the most optional boss there is. Uh, that's probably why I stopped because I didn't want to. You have to go into these like really boring, like procedurally generated dungeons yeah. that are just like square. They're like rectangles and squares and ladders. <laughs> There's like nothing interesting about them, and you have to play them for a really long time to get to that trophy. Also, one of the weapons that contributes to your collect all the weapons trophy is in there too. So um, that part of the game really bores me but the rest of the game is really fun so if you like hard games play bloodborne i still haven't gotten spider-man 2 because i haven't had the time to actually sit down and get into a game like that actually is involved you know and when i have had the time i just haven't had the inclination you know um so i've been playing a lot of Fortnite because the original island is back and it's really kind of crazy seeing how much stuff has been added to the game over time because they just took it all away. And it's like, oh. Oh, they took out, like, all of the, like, there's no, like... There's no augments. There's no mantling. Mantle, okay, they kept a couple <laughs> things. They kept okay. mantling. And they kept sprinting. And that's about it. But it's all the old weapons. Uh, it's all the old drop rates. Uh, it is literally the original map. They haven't up to even updated the textures or anything. Wow. Um, it's kind of fun. And, and what they're... It's a kind of a mini season so every week they're like jumping ahead a chapter like from the original stuff so they'll be doing adding... like a wow classic but in yeah, Fortnite, <laughs> yeah it's like a wow classic but just like confined to 30 days uh so you know that's but huh. i didn't realize i was nostalgic for that old island but i was playing with with danny uh yesterday and we're going places like oh, i remember this place oh wow you know it's it's been kind of fun I too have been taking a walk down memory lane. With Don't a, recommend it. With all Overwatch. Don't recommend it though. Oh no. Let me tell you, Overwatch <laughs> two, not bad. It's pretty good. They've added some uh, new heroes, and there's one that I've like really latched onto, and he's a lot of fun. It's a new tank hero named Ramatra. He's uh, I think he came out last. He's he's probably old to you if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I play Overwatch every day. <laughs> uh, but he's new to me. Okay, uh, they've added quite a few actually. I think since Overwatch Two came out, they've added like five or six heroes. Um, but he's a tank. He has like a big wizard staff that he shoots projectiles out of, and then uh, he can deploy a shield anywhere. But it's like temporary, so it's only for like five seconds. But he can put it <laughs> anywhere. And then he has uh, like a little bomb that he puts out that um, brings it's like a gravity bomb that does damage and also like brings people down so if somebody's flying over it they get they get brought down to the floor so like Mercy's uh, Genji's this sounds uh, like the old science man that floats and doesn't wear shoes talking about Sigma yes kind of like Sigma but his is like a and it, it's only for a little bit old science man that floats and doesn't wear shoes yeah that guy and then he has <laughs> his other ability which you press shift and he turns into the Hulk. He like hmm. gets giant, and then he just punches everything. 
and he punches everything around him and he can put his arms to block and that's all he does he punches and blocks huh. but uh he has it for like 10 seconds and the more damage you do the longer you can stay in that form huh. um, but you do like a ton of damage when you're in there it's a lot of fun i think overwatch 2 is weirdly in a really good place i think they've really nailed down like the balance and like the game modes and that. And I think they're, I don't, I don't know. I think they've recovered from their just kidding. We're not doing story mode. So I think that was misleading because they, they are doing story mode. Okay. They've released three chapters of the story mode so far. Huh? Um, they're not doing the hero mastery, which was supposed to be like an endless playing like roguelite where you would like level up your heroes uh, that's what they're not releasing. But the story mode that they were going to do, they're, they're still releasing that. That's still coming out. Hmm. And they're still doing certain forms of Hero Mastery. Um, but yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I'm probably going to keep playing it for a little while because it just, it's a fun time. Overwatch is like one of those games for me. It's like a, it's like a warm blanket that I want to strangle. You know, <laughs> you know, I put the blanket on and it's really warm and then suddenly I'm like, I think, I think listener Adam plays <laughs> Overwatch. Does he? Yeah. We gotta get it. We gotta get a gotta get a squad going there, listener. Yeah, Adam. you and Adam. And no, Patrick is playing now too. And Patrick. All we need is two more because they took out the the second tank. Are you five v five now? It's five v five with only one tank on each team. Every tank is now main, and they've reworked all the tanks to now all be main tanks. And they just different couldn't ways. get two people to want to play tank every time. I think they just felt it was better for balance because because there were always two tanks, n- the tanks never died. Because there was always someone, and it just felt like the fights went on forever. Now the fights go on a lot less. Like, is it? There were sometimes in Overwatch where, like, you're in a fight, and that fight goes on. You just for like, can't get through the objective. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing happening because you're just you're all you're all just doing damage to each other, and it's all being healed, and you know you're just doing that over and over again. So what is it? A tank, two support, two DPS. Yeah. Hmm. And there are different game modes. Like two CP doesn't exist anymore. Um, two CP. Yeah. So. uh the one where you would get a checkpoint and then get the second checkpoint. That oh, was the, the payload? No, not the payload. The one where it would be a checkpoint. Um, like. Oh, I know what you're saying. And then you would get yeah. a second one. Not the one where you're like both. It was when you're like attacking and defending a point. Like, Yep, I know what you're talking about yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, Hanamura. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, those don't exist anymore, and those maps are being reworked into other types of of game modes because they felt like that that was one that people really disliked yeah um but no yeah it's been really good and i think i'm gonna play overwatch because i've also been getting the itch to play wow again and i can't do that to myself you'd be lost forever oh man yeah i shouldn't have watched blizzcon why don't you just go back to critically acclaimed final fantasy 14 i I could yeah there you go i could that'll scratch the itch yeah but i also don't want to pay for that either and that's also That'll also lose me. I'll lose time and space. Play I'll Remnant. I'll become Loki and I'll time slip everywhere. Play Remnant 2 when I eventually give the um, the recommendation for Remnant 2. I have it down or I have it bought but not downloaded. Nice. Or Sea of Thieves. You don't have to pay for that again. Sea of Thieves. I mean, I don't have to pay for Overwatch again. Oh, true. That's why I'm playing it. That's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required at MCU Retrospective. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so. Patreon.com slash assembly required. Come join our patron exclusive Discord. Chat with us. Here are immediate and initial thoughts about the episodes as soon as they drop. Want to send us an email? You can do so. Assembly required cast at gmail.com. Follow the show on X at assembly cast. That's going to do it for myself, for Chris, and for Peaches, and for Miles, wherever he is. We love you three times. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Bubbly, bubbly.
How will you fight without a weapon? I know now I don't need the Keyblade. I've got a better weapon. My heart! <laughs> Your heart? What good will that weak little thing do for you? Although my heart may be weak, it's not alone. It's grown with each new experience, and it's found a home with all the friends I've made. I've become part of their heart just as they've become a part of mine. And if they think of me now and then, if they don't forget me, then our hearts will be one. I don't need a weapon. My friends are my power.